coming to you from the City of Roses. This is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are going to be featuring ourselves. Hey, what's, what's going on with that? Well, anyhow, we were on April Mises' podcast last year in 2021, and we really enjoyed that session with her. It was great. She was super generous, and just we sat around and talked for an hour about all sorts of stuff, everything from hiring practices to we talk about team base so if you haven't got your team base update we're going to talk about team based culture and we also just talked about general tips about running your business and such and leadership and how to motivate your team and all that fun stuff the really i thought good episode if i might say so myself i'm a little biased just just a tad bit so hopefully you enjoy that and so we'll be switching over to that here in a second but before that as always we do have a few announcements guys i want to encourage you please join our last cast insider club this is how you get discount codes to our trainings to our webinars to LashCon, guys. So you you haven't joined that. The basically show notes. There's a link there, or go to our Instagram and you can just sign up there. Also, guys, we have our Lash Retention course. I really want to feature our next one because it's in February 26th through 27th at Lash Anarchist in Scottsdale. And I want to give you a discount code: three hundred dollars off for Scottsdale. If you use this code, Scottsdale three hundred, get three hundred dollars off. And guys, you only need to pay thirty three percent down now, and then the next two payments over the next two months. So you can pay right now and. And then take the class and then to make your second two payments after you learn how to make your lashes or you have your lash clients go four weeks between appointments. It's all about retention. That's what Tustin is known for. She gets paid two to $300 for her fills and it's because she gets such great retention. And if you want to have that and you do your classic pre-mates or pro-mates, this is made for you. Volume, yes, you could learn and you can apply and you'll definitely get the styling and the principles that she gives so you can change your technique but it is definitely harder to implement. So we want you to see you there. We still have a few seats left for 26th to the 27th of February in Scottsdale, and you can save $300 today. Go to the link in the show notes or go head over to our Instagram link there, and you can jump in and you can sign up and buy that class today. Also, we have our allergy course, which I think is ending any day now. So if you haven't bought the tickets or bought your access to it, $67, and you'll have two months to watch it. And on February 7th, we're going to have another webinar called How to Find Clients without using Instagram because not everyone uses it. Not everyone's a fan of it. And I think actually using Instagram is a very slow way to grow your business. There are much faster and better ways of doing it. And we're going to go over all that. That's only $67. And that's on February 7th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't make it, we'll do the replay and send it to you. So links are all available on our Instagram as well as in the show notes. Okay, that's all that I have for basically announcements. We really want to get into this one where we sit down with April and really talk about some really cool stuff. I hope you'll find it useful, especially if you're looking to hire and bring on staff. This really is one that I think will help you wrestle with, are you really ready to bring on staff? Is this really the best move for you? And if you are, what systems are best for that? As well as how do you motivate your staff? Because motivation is not easy and holding people accountable is not easy. And there are some tools out there that you can put in place that help you to do that. So hopefully you'll enjoy this one. As always, please let us know. And please um, let us know through basically giving us feedback. Like go online and post on your Instagram or give us a review on this on, Yel- on, on Yelp. Or on Yelp. I don't think we're there <laughs> with our podcast. But on iTunes and such, let people know about it because that's how people get the word and how we get more followers. And we do appreciate it. If we give you real value, you can help us out by doing that. All right, guys, enjoy this episode. Okay, ladies, we are 
back for another episode and you are in for a treat because we are talking about growing and managing a team for your beauty business. And this is always such a hot topic. There's so many questions about it. There's probably a lot of concerns and rumors, and we are going to dispel all of the myths today. And we're going to get down to the facts in the business. We are talking with Paul and Tessany. And for 13 years, they ran Integrity Lash. It's a premier seven-digit lash salon in Southern California. Over the years, Integrity Lash was recognized by Vanity Fair, Los Angeles Magazine, Pasadena Magazine, Pasadena Weekly, Brides.com as one of the best in Southern California. And check this out. For four years, Salon Today chose Integrity Lash as one of the top 200 salons in North America. That's fantastic. Seriously, you guys should be patting yourself on the back. When someone reads you your bio, it's like, yeah, we did all that. Yes, we did. So now Paul and Tessany host the top-rated podcast, Lashcast, as well as host trainings and webinars tailored for lash artists. And the twosome aims to educate and uplift lash professionals on how to be better lash artists, as well as competent business owners. So Paul and Tessany founded the Lash Conference in 2019, and over the last two years, almost 700 Lash artists attended the event to learn how to better market and run their businesses. Aside from their trainings and events, they launched their own coaching program. They'll be launching it soon, where they're going to teach Lash artists how to achieve their business goals and build a business that serves them instead of the other way around. I just love that. And when they're not running their own events or training, they're speaking at trade shows like ISSE and IBS, as well as Lash conferences all over the States. So excited to have you guys. Thank you. Welcome. Very, very cool. I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> that was such an amazing no, was a nice uh, intro, intro. Thank April. You. Thank you. Yeah, well, you guys did all that. And that it's like when you think about that rich history, that's why I'm so excited, all of that experience to bring that to my audience. So let's just dive in. Tell everybody a little bit about your brief story, how you got started in the beauty business, lash business. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm an esthetician. And my first introduction to lashes was in beauty school. And it was kind of dismal because we didn't have like the right products. But what was amazing was that it made everybody look fantastic. They were, clusters, they were the right? little clusters. Yeah. But we were instructed to put them on with permanent adhesive. The instructor comes out with this tiny little bottle, look, look like it came out from the 1960s and took a while to dry. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, these are great. These are fantastic. But like a week later, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, my eyes, because it, it's the wrong adhesive to use. You can't it's use pulling it. out the lashes. Yeah, I was pulling that. out the lashes. So I thought to myself, oh, great idea, but I'm going to wait until there's better products and that kind of stuff. Fast forward, you know, seven years later, I went to a, B, a conference, IBS or one of those things. And there was uh, individual lash extensions. And I thought, oh, this is the new product that we've all been waiting for. Right. So I plunked down my money. I took a class on it and I thought this is amazing because the magic that happens when you open your eyes and you see yourself as more beautiful, it's like crack. You want more of it, right? And I knew that when women were exposed to this, that it could be a complete game changer for them. So I said, this is going to be a future. You yeah. know, we are one day going to see Lash Studios on every corner, just like we see nail places. And it's starting to come to fruition. That was in 2005. That's right, right. So I, you know, at the time, nobody really knew what lashes were. So I opened my own business. It was a skincare business. 
And because nobody knew what lashes were, it took a lot of cajoling to get somebody to try it. In fact, I couldn't get somebody to pay for it. So I just had to give it away. And that's actually how I started practicing. But I started out being mobile at the time. I didn't even know. I didn't even, I was not super savvy. I didn't even know that that wasn't even a legal option for me. At least in California. In California, right? So, but you know, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And and Paul and I worked together. He would. I would actually show up in a van and I would drop off all her equipment, the bed, the steam all the setup and drop it off in the room. She would then go do the skincare and then try to give them lashes too. And I would sit in the coffee shop and work because I was probably, I just worked for myself in those days. So I would just sit there and work and wait for her yeah. to call me. All that for $75 <laughs> yeah, for like three hours, yeah. you know, and I'm just thinking like, yeah, this is great. Like I had no idea about business, right? Anyway, learned a lot from that, but just organically grew. The demand became so much. And I just automatically thought, well, since we're growing and the need is there, what's the next step? You automatically hire somebody. And that's what we did. 2009. Yeah. Without any understanding of what we're getting, what we're getting into. I, you know, (laughs) I was just flying by the seat of my pants and made a lot of mistakes. Right. Came to a point, you know, flash forward years later, me, you know, on the verge of a breakdown thinking, I can't do this. I can't. Who can I trust? And that's when Paul came on and, and, and we joined uh, Forces. And I uh, was leaving. I was a one of the top film directors in Hollywood at the time. No. Um, <laughs> I, I wish that was my dream. That, that, was that didn't dream. quite happen. Her dream was coming more real than mine. So I decided I was wearing the film industry in one way. And I had many different roles, everything from film development, which you just help develop scripts. You get film scripts and you try to help get that script ready for packaging is what they call it. So that means you attach a director, you attach some actors so that you can get financing. So my job was to work on that. And then I left that and actually did uh, had my own production company where we did corporate video. I also did stuff and um, helped with film festivals and so forth. So that all went bye-bye in 2011 when Tustin was like, I had always been helping her, but she was so overwhelmed. We just actually had someone steal a ton of money from us internally as a manager. So we just said, you know what? Why don't we just get someone in house that can help take care of the team? And thus I joined her. And we basically, for the last, that's been 10 years actually, yeah. we've been working together. And it's actually been something we dreamed about when we first met back in our young 20s. We were like, one day, let's run a business together. We thought we were going to run a cafe. She was going to be, I guess, the, the Bobby Flay. Yeah, Bobby Flay. And I was going to be this French, uh, <laughs> I was going to be the concierge and help, but that didn't work out. So we, we did lashes instead. And it's been fun. We really, 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 it's been a blessing. And we still work together. In a much smaller space now because we mm-hmm. sold our, gave up our, closed our business two years ago. And now we're really focusing on turning and helping other people with their businesses since we did it for 13 years and felt like that we had done our time. <laughs> yeah. And it takes a special relationship to work together because my parents actually do that and have um, worked together, have their own business. They've worked together for at least 30 years, but the business has been, you know, 20 years, but it does take a relationship. How do you separate Home and work or the conversations or how does that, you know, we don't, it's a really good question. We were, we were thinking about this last night as yeah. we were kind of mulling over the questions and we're like, there is no separation. I no, mean, that for us. it's not compartmentalized. I mean, I'll just share the, this morning, how we woke up this morning. <laughs> so we get up, the alarm goes off and I go look at my phone for a second. Just check if there's any, <laughs> anything emergency. First thing out of her words come out about something business wise. She goes, do you think da, 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 da. And I'm like, all right, I guess we're already starting work today. <laughs> I mean, it's like, now you're like, hello, good morning. How are you doing? It's just like right off because she was mulling over this. I know last night's been bothering her and she really just wanted to continue the conversation from last night. So we did. And that's the way we <laughs> do things. Just so not, I didn't even think that that was yeah. anything strange. No, it, there's like no 
separation or segment that this is family time and this is talking time. I mean, it was a little bit more so when the kids were around the dinner table. When they were younger, we really did because actually the kids came to us and complained, stop like, talking. stop talking about business. <laughs> so we said, okay, when we're having dinner, we're going to talk about you and we're going to talk about life and talk about stories and have fun. And, and I think we do that now. We'd be more or more purposeful. But at the same time, we are so ADD or whatever it is. We just kind of flow in and out of business all the time, all day long. But I have to say that that's one of the things that works about our relationships because we are so united in our mission. I mean, yeah, we have different jobs, but it's for the same cause. And it's really cool to be on the same team. Oftentimes I keep thinking, what would I do without you? Honestly, I'm so wow. thankful for you. What Aww. would I do without you? Actually, I don't you... think either of us would be doing what we're doing right now. I know, now. We're, like, we're like one person <laughs> together. Yeah. And now if you ever get upset with each yes. other, this is recorded. So you can <laughs> play back to You said this about me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember yeah. this? Yes. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because we see that also in the permanent makeup industry as well. There have been so many artists that are now bringing their husbands into the business for managing it, for marketing, for scalp, for other areas. So that kind of sets us up for talking about a team and that team relationship. So you hired your first team member, your first employee, and did you just start with one or how did that one work? One gal, I needed help with doing lashes and I just and thought- My dad yes. actually, I remember sitting this down because we had been talking about, okay, we're ready to hire. And my dad goes, okay, I need to talk to you too. And I'm like, okay, what dad, what? He's like, okay, when you hire, everything changes. Right now, you're just your own boss. You could do when you want, work when you want, control things, and you're not managing anyone. But the day that you- hire someone, your job 100% is overnight change. It's a new thing. You're no longer just an artist doing what you want when you want. You are now responsible for other people. And that is a tall order and do not take it lightly. He had been in upper management in the Silicon Valley and had actually deferred. He was moving into the like vice president roles, CEO, that type of roles or CTO. And he decided, nope, I don't like managing hundreds of people. It is so stressful. He said he liked designing circuit boards. He's an engineer. So that's what he wanted to do. When you move up in management, you no longer do what you got you there. You're now a manager. That's your full-time job to take care of people. And if you love it, it's awesome. But if you don't love it, it's actually a demotion for you and it feels like slavery. And so he warned us about that. I and, have to and say, we had no clue I wish, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it was one of those moments like me being like 16 years old and my dad saying something, you know, very wise. I'm just like, oh, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, dad, what do you know? You, do, you know, yeah. you, you're old. You don't even know. You yeah. just don't know. And yeah. I was just like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, you know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty. Well, and it reminds me of the saying is management is about systems and leadership mm. is about people. Yeah. And it takes so much more out of you to lead the people. So let's get into that. What does that look like? Right. What are some of the challenges of hiring staff that most people wouldn't think of? Let's just talk about the hiring first, and then we can get into the managing of them and leading them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is that most people think, oh, I'm going to hire people so I can make money in my sleep, right? It's going to be passive income somehow. And the truth is, when you at least first hire and you're just starting out, you have to be ready to work more and make less. Especially in the beauty world. See, I thought that the demand was like, I just needed to make a clone of myself. I was turning people away and I just needed somebody else to come in and take over so that I had more time to do the clients, right? And it was the wrong mindset because I thought it was going to lighten the load. 
But in reality, there was just simply more work. Because you become a full-time, for most people in the beauty industry I know, you are a full-time operator and you're taking care of your clients and you're working your 40, 50, 60 hours, whatever it is that you decide to do. And then you say, I know, I'm going to hire someone. And now you're a leader and leaders have to have time to lead. You don't just lead by hiring someone, throw them on the floor and say, go at it. That's not leadership. That's, in fact, that's a recipe for disaster. So- now you have to make time your schedule to lead. And, but you're like, well, wait, I need to do my clients still. And so many beauty professionals, especially when they're newer, they do both. And it, one ends up sacrificing. You know, yeah. you be, you're either a bad leader or you stop focusing and taking care of your clients because you're so consumed with taking care of your team member and dealing with all the things that they need, to equip them, to train them, to lead them. And so those two things become two full-time jobs. And it is really hard to deal with both of those unless you have a game plan or like a coach or someone to work you through it because there are ways of doing it. But if you're making it up yourself, I think generally speaking, it's going to be really, really difficult. You don't know what you don't know when you first start. And so I just thought, like, I just want to clone on myself. So I was looking for certain things, qualities in somebody that re would require, take the least amount of intervention on my part. Just, I wanted somebody instant, right? Just add water in there, instant me, right? And- in some ways, it worked short-term, but over long-term, I realized, wait, what's happening in the room? What are they saying to the client? Are they building their business in here? Like, what? I turn around, and like, there's a walkout, you know? And I'm like, why? Why did everybody leave? But, you know, I realized in hindsight, was I investing in them? Was I training them? No. I was using them to grow my business, right? They were being used. Really, yeah. when it comes yeah. down to it, they were being used. They weren't being led. They weren't being cared for. I mean, now we really have a philosophy when we had staff is that my number one job as the manager was to care for the team, not for the clients, yeah. not anything else. Take care of the team. I take care of the team. The team will take care of the clients. And if the clients are taken care of, they take care of the business. It's a right. circle of life and business. And I felt like that was something we didn't understand or we were all about the client, all about the client. And then team members begin to feel uncared for. Well, why the would they invest yeah. if they're not being invested in yeah. and there's not a future for them? It's like we had to go through some of those painful lessons to understand, oh, this isn't working the way we're doing it. Let's yeah. let's figure something different out. And another big thing, too, was when I looked at it in the early days, if an employee didn't work out, I blamed them. I would say, oh, it's their fault. And I remember being in this one training and they talked about cutting the cancer of your company. Yeah, they're like, okay, uh, I want you to think, figure out what do you think the cancer in your company yeah. is? And we're like, oh, oh we yeah. know their name. We names. know their names. <laughs> yeah, the cancer, you know. And then they were like, well, this person does this and this person does that and da, 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 da. And they're lame. They're just creating this long list of things that is the cancer in their company. And we're like, okay, we're ready. We're ready. We'll write down that name. And we yeah. go home, we're going to fire that person because we're pumped up and motivated. They're the cancer. They're, and then they go that cancer, by the way, if you didn't realize it yet is you, you're the cancer we're, in your own company. And you're mic like, drop. No. We're like, what, <laughs> what? You mean it's us? It's what our you, fault. What are you talking? Oh yeah. my goodness. That was a come to Jesus moment. Well, I just want to also just highlight because I don't want it to get lost in what you just said. You were looking to clone yourself. And let's say it this way. You were looking to lighten the load, right? Technically, you were looking to lighten the load, but you actually gave yourself two jobs because now you are the manager and now you are also still doing the clients. And so I think that's a really big point. And then what it also required of you was that next level of growth 
because you couldn't stay comfortable and continue. You have to grow to that next level. So let's move on to that. So now what does it take to run the team and lead? You know, what, I guess what I want to ask is what are the leadership qualities that you've developed in the process? There's a bunch, but I'll hit a few here. I think that one of the first things for us that we just didn't realize when you become a leader is that you need to learn or know how to hold your team accountable. You're there to uphold the team and, and push them. Because when people aren't pushed, we all, especially that's why, I mean, we just kind of pull back and we do the bare minimum. That's kind of like our wiring. I mean, that's why so many people need trainers when they work out. That's why people need business coaches. I mean, we saw so many people um, who would go leave after they left their salon and then they just kind of became very average. The standards went yeah. down. You yeah, know? the standards went down. Like we went, wow, they were really a little bit more driven. And that happens. In fact, I've read articles from beauty professionals. The dirty when, beauty when they, business. Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that said, there's been articles about people said, when I left the salon I was working in, the motivation also left. Like I just didn't have a team or a coach or a, a leader or a manager pushing me to do better. I began to see how many corners could I cut and still get away with it. In terms of where the rubber meets the road, it's like, for example, I would sometimes not have laundry. So I'd pull towels out of the no, soil no laundry, knows. right? <laughs> you didn't have as much barbicide. So just add a little bit more water, you know? Yeah. And I think for us, that's where we realized that really as leaders, we're here to hold the team accountable, not in a nasty, like gotcha way, but really to help people aspire to be the best version of themselves. And with us there, we need to be willing to have those difficult conversations. And so that was something that we avoided like the plague. The first four or five years, we could not have a difficult conversation to save our life. If someone was out of line, we would just let them stay out of line and go down that or, pathway. Or we might try, uh, throw a nod to a difficult conversation by maybe doing a memo. Yeah. Or like, you know, <laughs> making a poster. And a new policy. Pu putting, putting it out there vaguely, but not like directly talking to somebody. Yeah. You know, that's not the way to communicate. No, it was horrible. And so we had to have those difficult conversations It really, when we started having those, it actually was better than I thought. You think, oh my gosh, what if I confront her and do this? She's going to quit. Well, yeah, she might. Or, and, and by the way, it's a good thing if she does. Like you don't want her staying and being the same person she is. Let's say she's complained, she's late, she's not really taking care of the clients, whatever it is, your best practices that you put in place and they're just not pulling the party line. And if you don't confront them, what if they stay then? And they're going to continue to be a drag on your company. They're going to continue to bring you down. So the good news, if you have those difficult conversations, now you can win them over, God willing, hopefully, and the team will do better. And your team will respect you. Your team, if you have more than one player on your team, they're all waiting to see if you're going to hold and keep being the leader or are you going to be weak and fall back. And then all this, this trust is, goes out the window. And that's what we trade every day in our business. We're trading trust. And if we don't have trust, the business is done. Like you just don't have a team if there's no trust. And so for you to have those difficult conversations is so, so important. And then another thing I remember really feeling this, and we, we try to be, well, I'd say, authentic. Like there's this big push, right, in our world, be authentic, be authentic. But I think we got to be too authentic. Like there's a point where you, you've pulled back the curtain so far that people just won't respect you because they go, really? You're that much of a mess? You really have no clue what's going on? Why am I following a leader who has no idea? I remember going to meetings going, Hey guys, we have no idea what we're doing. I thought we were being so honest, so real, so down to earth. And then I realized later people would say, well, then why am why I, why am team? I following you? Yeah. I mean, we realized that's not something to say. It's not you inspiring. Know, that's not inspiring. It's okay right? to be humble and admit when you're wrong and to do those things. Those are great. But to be so transparent that you have no clue every day, 
people, no filter, I no guess. No filter, be, yeah. You know? And I remember seeing this person talk about saying, you know what, as, as the leader, you're Santa Claus. And Santa Claus doesn't get a bad day. He can't show up one morning on Christmas morning and be like, hey, kids, I'm hungover. Sorry, no presents for you. Or, you know what, I'm really pissed. Me and Mrs. Claus had a fight, and I just got you know, half a package. It got destroyed. The, the, I didn't wrap it. I didn't wrap it. Here, you, it's a paper bag. You know, Santa Claus <laughs> doesn't get that. And really, as a team, as a, as a leader, I felt like, yes, you know, right. I don't have, I can't walk into the salon and be like, me and Tuss just had a fight, you guys. So screw all you. Leave me alone. And I'm having a bad day. <laughs> it's not right as a leader to do that to your team. That's abusive. I really see that. I need to be the inspiration. I need to be able to lead and, and help them better. Remember, I'm there to serve them. It's not the other way around. They're not there to serve me. I think a lot of people when we hire, we think, oh, my staff is there to serve me. It's like, no, if you think that, man, you're going to have a bitter staff soon. No, when we first hired, I was really learning to realize that we have to be servants first. That was another big quality that we had to change. Yeah, and we have the same mentor. And our mentor says that, A-level employees don't work for B-level bosses, right? And one of the things that I've learned with it is I hate confrontation. And so I would avoid it. You know, I know the expression is hire slow, fire fast, but I just dreaded the uncomfortable conversations because I felt like everybody should just show up and do give a hundred percent. And, you know, they don't really have any skin in the game, no pun intended (laughs) or pun intended. (laughs) And they actually, when they weren't doing what they needed to do, I dreaded those conversations. So I kept people way longer. I kept employees way longer than I needed to. And when I finally let them go, I was like, wow. And that really was back on me because I realized like you said, I wasn't communicating what I needed to communicate. I wasn't leading the way I needed to lead. And I was hoping, fingers crossed, things would get better without taking action to make it better. And so how do you approach those different and difficult conversations is, is really the question. I think the big thing for us is realizing that, again, if I'm serving them, I need to do what's best for them. And doing that often, you know, tough love, what do you want to call it? means, and we do it with our kids, like we're okay coming to our kids saying, you know what, what you did there wasn't appropriate and that wasn't right. And if you're a coach and you're on a team, right, you, the coach's job is to sit there and to pull players aside and say, you know what, you did a good job and you need to be encouraging. Really, in the end, you still ultimately need to be encouraging and uplifting and see that. But when you see your job as a coach, as a trainer, then your job is to help tweak, improve and inspire and lead. And not just to see yourself as, oh, I know if I come in and I talk to them about this, I'm just going to destroy them. I mean, if you take that type of joy out of those talks into your status and that you probably shouldn't be a leader, you should go get treated or get taken care of. But when you really, your goal is to serve and love your team. And that's why I saw it. My job is to serve and love my team. With that mindset, I became much more okay having these difficult conversations because I knew that I was going to try to push them to grow. I was going to try to get them to get out of the stuck place that they were stuck because no one comes on a team and wants to be a bad employee. No one does. They always want to be the best that they can. Now you may break trust over time, which embitters them. And then they kind of go off the reservation, but until then they really do want to do it. And if you do your job, right, I think you really can have that really healthy dynamic where when you come to them, you let them know, hey, you know what? I'm 100% for you. I love you. And you are an important part of our team. And because of that, we're going to have this talk that's really going to be important. And we're going to work through this. Another thing that you did, and you kind of alluded to it, it's like thinking the best about them that, you know. Always assume the best. One of the things that we started doing early on was, you're better at this than I am, but asking questions. 
I mean, at first, you know, like you said, April, you think it's common sense. So, so obvious. Like if we had a complaint from a client or something like that and we'd hear it first, we'd be like, what on earth were they thinking? You know, you get all upset about it. And, upset, and then yeah. Paul's approach was always like, wait a minute, don't accuse let them talk. Let them explain. And, and more times than not, once I came to him, let's say a client was upset and had, he called me, complained mad, there was something very obviously went wrong in the room. Like something was said wrong. Someone, maybe they poked him with a tweezer, whatever it is. Whatever. And I sit down. I would never come to them and say, okay, you know what? I hear you uh, kind of screwed up in the room and we have a mad client. Did you know that? And then, no, no, I never do that. I would always come in and go, I just got a call from Mrs. Jones. I'd love to hear what happened because it, it sounds like there were some troubles. And they would be like, oh, my gosh, because usually employees harder themselves than even the, the client. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. I didn't tell you. But, yeah, it was a nightmare. And I did this. And then I said this. And I couldn't believe I said that. And it just spiraled out of control. And then I could tell she was upset and so forth. And so by talking to them and giving them the opportunity to share, they often coach themselves, right? They're often now all of a sudden, and me, instead of me having to bring the hard talk, I'm just there to say, you know what? You got this. You're okay. You know what? I see you really tried and it kind of didn't go, it went south on you, but don't, don't beat yourself up. You know what? Things like this happen. Don't worry. I took care of Mrs. Jones. I'm giving her a refund or we're going to have her come back tomorrow and redo the, the appointment, whatever it is. That, that way the team knows that you care about them and you're there to support them versus, I mean, I saw this as growing up when I was an employee, you know, the boss comes and goes, Hey, Paul, come into the office right now. And you're like, Oh no, it's coming. I'm going to get yelled at. And then of course they just say, I da, 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 da. And they just rail on you and tell you, don't do this again. You know, other, next time this happens, you're fired, whatever. And how uninspirational that is. I mean, that just defeats you and makes you want to quit that day. And I felt like we, when we first started, we kind of were more like that, but quickly realized this is a horrible way to lead. No one changes. People just get bitter and angry and want to leave. So good that you were self-aware because that takes, it's, it's counterintuitive. Like we want to do what Paul said, right? We want to do what we've learned. It's also super important. This was another key thing that, that I learned is that when something common sense you think happens and like it doesn't go right, Paul would always say, you know, my first thought would be like, that's wrong. How could they do that? And he, he was like, no, no, they're not wrong. We were wrong to not talk to them about it because- or train them about it. Yeah. The, an employee goes to the lowest, you know, in times of stress, they go to their lowest level of training, right? And then, so you have to look at it. If we've never talked or to them about this- highest level of training, or, whatever that yeah, is. I always yeah. say it wrong. <laughs> say, say, it, say it again. Well, I was saying that whatever, wherever you train them at, when they're stressed and things are going crazy, they go to where that training is. So yeah. if you don't give them the training right. and you don't equip them, and then they get in a situation where they're a fish out of water and things are unfamiliar, don't expect them to act like- miracle workers and do things that they've never thought about or been trained over. And then we chastise them later. Like, why did you do that? Like, well, I just did the best I could. And then you realize, oh, wow, we never talked about this. Yeah. We never trained on this. We never mm -hmm. walked through this as a team or as a one-on-one -on -one through a coaching time. So why would I expect you to automatically just know the very best pathway? There were three choices to pick and you picked the one that wasn't so good, but we never talked about this. And yeah. I think when there's stress and there's tension, you can't expect people to make the best decisions in those moments. They're just going to go wherever they were trained and default to that. And that's what, we're, yeah. That's yeah. What so says. we began to use those situations. Like if something happened and we talked about it, we began to train people and say, listen, if you haven't been trained on this specifically, you're not in trouble. It's just a conversation we're going to have. And then we're going to incorporate and tell the whole team so that we all can avoid this pitfall, you know, yeah. with the clients. And there's always new things. I mean, there's Every always day. something different that happens in the beauty world. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, for us after 13 years, I felt like we had gotten most 
problems into a kind of a best practices, how we deal with them. But man, those first five, six years, it was always like, what happened? <laughs> it's like, okay, we have to figure yeah. that one out. We're going to write the rule book on that now too. It makes me think of, I heard Chris Voss, who mm -hmm. is, you might, might know, he's yeah. expert negotiator, FBI. He's been doing all of these things. And he said, the goal is to, in these hostage situations, is to get the other side to actually believe your point of view and actually say it for themselves so that yeah. they yeah. think it's yeah. their idea. So they say it first, yeah. so, which is what you just said. They actually yeah. talk about it first. So you kind of come to them, let them talk. And so the, the other side will actually, and he uses a technique called mirroring, which probably could be used in this situation as well with employees. But it's the idea of saying, look, we're both on the same side and make it seem like yeah. it's their idea type of thing. And so you're on the same team, which I love, which is, again, how it should be, but not how we're initially taught or, you know, maybe what we default to. So then my next question is, how do you foster that um, collaboration over competition, right? That united work environment, because that I think is another thing that people fear, like the drama or I'm not here to babysit or, you know, that type of thing. It's a big thing in the beauty world, that drama, that competition, right? Yeah. And we found that there was really only one thing that solved this. Yeah. And there, it's a system that people put into place that creates that drama. And there's two systems that do it and one system that we found that does a much better job of addressing that. And it's really the, the pay structure. First commission is a broken pay structure. It doesn't work. It creates competition within the salon. Everyone actually is their own independent boss and they're building their own business in your business. So you may think that you have a team, but if you compensate through commission, you don't have a team. You have individual players building their own businesses. Because or... they don't want each other's success at that point. Because truth is, if I'm slow and you're busy, you're happy at this place. I'm making a lot of money, but the slow person isn't happy because they can't get any more clients. And if anything, you're and then as a commission employee, you're afraid, well, if I take time off, so my people might go see someone else on the team and stay and not come back. And now I'm going to lose people. And it just means you're really in the end commission is you are creating your own little business in someone else's business. The other one is booth rent. Booth rent is not team. I hate to tell people who are booth renters who say, Oh yeah, we got this amazing team. And I'll go, what's your setup? Go, oh, I have booth rent. I'm like, no, no, you're a landlord. You take rents from people and you let them do services in your building. And that's fine. That's nothing wrong with that immoral decision. But at the same time, don't tell me that you're somehow creating this amazing team environment because everyone, again, is their own independent booth operator doing their own thing, building their business. They could care less what anyone else does unless it affects them. Like someone has music in their booth and it's really loud. Okay, stop it. You're bothering me. You can't do that. You know, you have to work then as a team in some ways. But overall, you're building your own company within another business. The, really, the one that we love is when we were at our salon, we were coached by a company called Strategies. And they have this thing called team-based pay or team-based culture, as I like to call it. And what it is, and it's really more of a traditional way of doing business, Basically, you pay your team hourly plus what we call team bonus. And a lot of people, when they hear team-based culture or team-based pay, oh, it's communism. Everyone oh, just gets paid the those same. people. No, it's not everyone gets paid the same. It's actually the most fair and I think the most credible. And it really does create teamwork. And how does it create teamwork? Well, first off, now the team as a whole serves every client. No client is a client of any individual. The client is a client of the salon. And they can see anyone they want 
they, we let them know you have full access to all our team members to whatever is best for you. When our salon was open, we were open from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night. We had two shifts, and so we had a lot of hours to book, so people would come and go, and they would have their favorite artists, but they also knew that because we had training and we had best practices in place that they could see Time anyone standards. and they would get a, yeah. a very similar experience. So they could. And, and the team member didn't mind because they got paid no matter what. Every day they knew they were being paid their hourly, and it didn't matter if a client no-showed, didn't matter if a client canceled, didn't matter, any of that stuff. And then what's wonderful is now the team realizes we need to make the salon make more money because when the salon makes more money, we all get pay raises. And if we all get pay raises, then we're all going to be happier. So what happens in the commission salon, you may, let's say, have three employees. Two of them are commissioned, and all three are commissioned. Two of them are busy, one isn't. Well, the two that are busy have no incentive to get the, the slow one busy. Don't None care. at all. They don't want referrals. doesn't matter. Maybe they become friends and they'll do that, but it really doesn't matter. Well, let's say the new person who's not that busy also did a service that wasn't that great, and the client complains, and they need a touch-up. The old uh, season people aren't going to help her. They will not do the touch-ups. Yeah, they would never. I mean, they would never. Because they're going to get paid. They're Why would I do paid. that? You want me to work for free? Yeah, I'm not going to fix her problems, but the beauty with team-based pay is they get paid and they all understand that that slow person is the key to them getting their next raise because they all need to be busy um, you have to have a certain levels of productivity in, this, in the business where you're generating enough revenue and then raises happen. So the good news is that new person, they're going to refer people and they're okay fixing work from that new person because they get paid no matter what. Also, we had things where they would be like, I remember one time in a team meeting at someone in the oh, meeting, yeah. there was this more commission. Like, were- why? No, it Why was the we, front desk, yeah. and we were, you know, we're trying to work out like the front desk getting, getting their lashes. lashes. Yeah. And one stylist said, "Why do you want me to do the front desk lashes? They don't do anything for me." Yeah. We were floored. And the person, like, did you yeah. really just say that? But the truth is this. They don't. In the end, when you're a commission type of salon, the front desk is not doing lashes or there's no give and take. Yes, they help with front desk services, but that's the mentality you get in commission. You only do work when you get paid to do it. And guess what? If you want me to sweep the floor, I don't get paid for sweeping the floor. I don't sweep the floor. So you don't have a team. You don't, you know. And now when you come up with team-based pay, you actually build all these systems and accountability. And accountability is a big part of it. And you really now began to see more of a culture where people support and help each other. I mean, we had always dreamt about this idea of like, man, when someone comes to work and isn't dressed in uniform, we had heard stories of team-based slots where they would be like, oh, yeah. Then a team member say, hey, why are you dressed like that? You need to go back. We don't do that. We don't do that here. Please come dress ready for work next time. And I'm like, we'll we'll never see that in our slot. That's impossible. And after years of finally working and building this team up, we finally saw it. We saw the team now holding each other accountable because they took ownership. This was their salon, and they knew that this salon had to grow and had to get better and had to keep um, improving, and that would only happen if they began to take ownership and held each other accountable. We'd have a new person come on, and instead of everyone going around being like, oh, my gosh, did you see her work? It was terrible. What we would see is that uh, a seasoned person would go into the room and say, let me show you how to do this. Let me work with you. You know, I just saw this client. These are some pictures. These are things that I struggle with. This is how you can fix it. And again, and what you'll on- get that commission or booth rent. I mean, maybe you'll have some nice souls that will do it, but there's no incentive for them to do that with those models. But with this model, I feel is by far the best model in the industry. And we've tried them all. This really helps you get to the, where people really now are no longer competitors. They really are collaborators. And they really are trying to lift each other up and build each other up. And I could go on for hours on team-based pay. It is literally I think when I talk to um, one, there's one company called Psoote, and they do accounting for salons. And I always, every year, I, when I see April, usually at the ISSE trade show, I say, hey, April, 
tell me, where are the best salons out there financially? Who is the most healthy and you see getting the best returns? He goes, oh, team-based pay salons all the time. Now, it's not even a comparison. It's like they're, they're in two completely different leagues. So even as an owner, financially, it makes more sense to be a team-based pay. But also as employees, when you stay in a company, there's so many benefits. I mean, we had full benefits. I mean, that's another thing. We had health care. We had sick pay. We had paid lunches, paid vacations. We bought team lunch every month and we did quarterly reviews. We really, because of all the systems they give you, we were really able to invest in our team. And then again, that because when the team feels cared and loved for, also I really feel like that creates less of that tension between each other because they realize our bosses have our back and no matter what happens, whatever conflict happens in the end, they're going to do right by us. And so for us, that's why we're big on it. I know you probably weren't even written known. <laughs> We're going to open up this can of worms, but now. Yeah, no, I love it. And I, cause I, just like you said, I would have thought because I had that sales background, that commission, right. That would, that, that would motivate people. So then my next thought is what type of goals do you set up for that? Like, how do you yeah. keep them motivated? Well, we had a broadband plan, basically. It's called uh, broadband. Broadbands. But, or what I like to call the roadmap to success. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and they were, I know I'm going to say it wrong. What? Their pay raises were tied to their merit in each of these broadband categories. So part of it was skill, but it wasn't a lot. It was maybe 25%, right? Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, we had four major areas that we would review. We, one of the biggest ways to, to help people get goals is actually let them know what they are, right? Because I think a lot of people get hired in the business. And I mean, even right now, Tessa's been working somewhere and, and consulting, and there's no real review process. There's no goals. There's no like, Hey, where are we trying to get? It's just fly by seat of your pants. And that's the way most salons, no mission, no, no purpose. Mission. No, yeah. And, and that's really yeah. what it is for a lot of salons. You get hired. I mean, I've interviewed hundreds of people and I always was interested in finding what happened when you got hired. What was it like when you went in your salon? And most of the time they'd say, well, I got hired. And the next day I was on the floor doing lashes. So was there any you know, onboarding? Was there any coaching? Was there any training? Was there any like, hey, here's what's most important to the company. Here's our values. Here's our DNA. None of that. Just don't, go do lashes. I don't know why. And again, we're shocked that after a year, the, the employee is like, well, screw this place. I'm no longer here because you're not investing in them. You're not leading them. You're just letting them roam the land by themselves doing whatever they want, especially with commission, which by the way, just a side note, commission motivates no one. No one is motivated by commission. Otherwise, if they were, I would not go to every beauty conference I go to. At some point, someone's going to raise their hand and say, how do you motivate your employees to sell products? And they always say, well, what do you sell? Well, we do commission. I go, well, if commission motivated people, people wouldn't have any problems selling products. That's a side note. Those all just like, oh yeah, commission works great. It sucks. But all right, back to the broadbands for our, what we call the roadmap to success. We had four things that we would lay out right when they first got hired. We say these four areas are what we are going to be reviewing with you every three months, every quarter. We're going to come back to these things and we're going to rate you. And we want you to see where you're at and where we want to get at. So the first area is what we call our critical numbers. We really were big on numbers. You can't coach people up to numbers, but they are good indicators of where you're at. Like you don't say like retention rates were really important. What's your first time retention rate? What's your repeat client retention rate? What's your pre-book rate? Like how often are people booking their next appointment before they leave? What's your productivity? Like are you 80% busy, 90% busy, not busy at all? And retail the total sales, which means we measured how good their sales were. Not the total sales, because if someone worked 20 hours and someone worked 40 hours, of course, the 40-hour person would have more sales. So retail to total sales is where you take the average of, of their total retail of what they did in business, how much of that was retail, and it's a percentage. And so we would track those numbers, and we explain it to them and coach them on how to track them, how to understand them, and we would give them updates every week so they knew exactly where they were, 
And then we had goals for them over the year. Like, okay, we want you being at 85% productive by the first end of your first year. We want you to be having this repeat client retention rate. You should be at 90% client retention rate within the first six months. And we'd have ladies very clearly out so they were not confused about where we were heading. We also had skill requirements. So we had certain requirements like how many lashes, because we were lash professionals, how many lashes could they place in, in three hours on their first on a new set? Also, how much training were they taking every month? Were they making going to trains? Were they growing and all that? Third area was culture and teamwork, which really was about how well you get along with everyone. Yeah. Are you cooperating with the team? Are you participating in our morning huddles? Are you promoting the salon? Are you supporting company initiatives? So when we come, hey, we got a big change. Are you there fighting it? Which is the normal. Anytime you mention change, every employee rolls their eyes, goes, oh, God, please, no. But if the, you teach them, no, 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 that's important, guys. We need to be able to pivot. We need to change. We need to mold. We need to evolve. It's really important for the health of a company. So if they start supporting it, that was important. Then lastly was like what we call strength behaviors or accountability or lately, but your personal stuff. Like how are you doing in the company? Are you on time? Does your work have high quality? Are you punctual? How well, good are you listening? Are you humble? Are you using your downtime well? That type of stuff. It's really stuff more like what you are doing personally. Those four areas, we laid them all out. And then every three months, I'd say, okay, we're going to meet, but I want you to grade yourself first. And when we sit down, I'm going to write my own grade or write my own report. And then we're going to compare notes. And almost all the time, they were harder than themselves than I ever was, which is good. Because again, you're creating self-awareness. They're beginning to go, well, I thought I was like really, you know, on top of it, but I realized here I'm not so good. I'm like, actually, no, I think you're doing better than you think you are. You're being a little down on yourself. So let me to let you know. And But at the times when there were huge gross differences, and there were sometimes, those provide the coaching opportunities. Because I'd be like, okay, you think you're this. I see you as this. Unfortunately, we're, we're in disagreement here. And I think I need to help you understand a little bit more, maybe our value of why this should be this way or how you can get there. Not to say do better, because often I think that's what we do with people when we coach them, like just do better, improve. <laughs> that's not coaching. That's just like yelling at someone yeah. or you know, bossing them around. And because we had these very clear markers, it was always a structure, a foundation that yeah. we, which you could have a conversation with. You know, these are our values. You know, one of our values is punctuality. You know, you coming in late every time. How are we meeting our mission? If they mess up on too many things, when their, their pay raise came, which once a year we do a pay raise generally, we just say, I'm sorry, we can't give you a pay raise. You're but just not right now. There's too many areas on this agreement. This is our agreement. This is what we said we were going to do as a team when you first hired. So this is all new to you. You're not like, what, what is this list of things you're asking of me? It's like, no, we agreed to it. Now, if you didn't agree to it in the beginning, you should have said something like, I can't do this. But it never came to that no. because they knew. They were aware. They were like, oh, I know. I was really hoping for a raise, but I know that I'm working on these two things. I know, but next time I will. It was like they graded themselves. They yeah. were aware of it. So it wasn't us being the bad guy saying you didn't do well. They knew. And they connected, I think, performance with getting accolades. So if you perform well and you know exactly, it's a very specific list of things with some general principles, I will say. People knew what they needed to do, and we met every three months. That's the other thing. Salons generally don't do reviews ever, or they do them once a year, maybe at most. And that's just too long to engage with your team members and go, hey, you know what? You're missing out here, or hey, you're doing great here. Team members need to hear that more often. And if you wait once a year to tell them, I think you're just, they're going to disengage. They're just going to kind of feel like you don't care, and they only will care as much as you do. So by you saying every three months, and by the way, I made mistakes with this. I remember canceling some reviews because we were so busy and that was a oh, disaster yeah. that was breaking people trust. were so mad so hurt i thought what's this a review they don't care and i thought oh, no. no 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 they, they love, love it. the review because our reviews weren't negative they were encouraging they were uplifting even if there was bad things in there they always walked away i think feeling like okay i now know what i need to do to grow 
so I can't get that raise. And if you punt that as a boss or as a leader, you've totally shot yourself in the foot as saying you're not important, you don't care, and you know that's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah, and I know that there's somebody listening that has you know an employee or someone that they're managing, right, in some capacity, and they need to have that difficult yeah. conversation with them, right? I love that you're saying, look, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about these numbers, right? So it's like that outside, like common enemy <laughs> type of thing. This is what we're doing, right? And so then it's not personal, but any other tips that you have on starting those difficult conversations or having those difficult conversations? The big thing is always communicating that you care about them in the beginning, whatever you're doing and no matter how, and also, man, if you're angry, don't talk right away. You don't have to fix a problem in two seconds. Don't if you're upset, you're man, just say, no, you can't let them know, Hey, we need to talk about this, but not right now. We'll talk maybe tonight or we'll talk first thing tomorrow because I think too many times, I mean, I saw this as parenting, yeah. you respond in anger and it never goes well. No. Your kids don't learn a thing. No, you can't communicate when you're in anger because you're not thinking about what's best for the other person. You're only thinking about how you've been wronged or whatever. Retribution. You know, <laughs> it's hard to, you know, with all those emotions going through to serve people in the way that they deserve. Yeah. I mean, if your goal again for us was my job was to serve my team, that's my first priority. Every day I woke up and said, well, how can I make their life better? That's really my job as a manager. Tusney, because she didn't like managing so much, she stayed as a service provider and was the trainer, so she would teach them lashes. But my job on the team was to lead and to manage and to build other leaders up too. And so when I think that way, and I sat down, and I go, how can I make their life better? Man, does that really, as a North Star, as a guiding principle, that really helps you not always go into every difficult conversation with the goal of fixing it. I just got to fix this, and if my goal is just to fix it, then it Damn be the employee. I don't care if they get in the way. I'm going to fix it. And then, and then you end up, you know, burning bridges and doing horrible things. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And now I know that every business is like a roller coaster at times, right? Ups and downs and good and bad parts. And, and sometimes we look at certain areas, as I always put it in quotes, failures. But I always feel like that's when we learn the most. That's when we do success, as they say, is a horrible teacher. And, and so you learn um, from the parts where you have to stop and pause and reflect and say, what didn't go right here? And what can I take away from this? So can you tell us about a time where you had to navigate through a rough patch or really a big lesson learned? The key thing is, is being humble. And that is one of the hardest things to do, to be brutally honest with yourself, to be able to put yourself in the place where you're able to look at yourself and be introspective and say, okay, what did I do to contribute to this? What was it that I did that contributed to this failure? First of all, you're going to, you know, when you're hot and you're angry, your mind is going to be like, this happened. They did this, this happened to me. It was out of my control. But after all that emotion comes down, you have to be able to say, okay, now, what were the things that I did that I could have done differently? And I think the big thing for us, a specific failure, was in 2013, we had a walkout. And if people don't know what a walkout is, like the biggest fear of every salon owner is basically your team collude together and go, we don't like our boss, but we all like each other. So why don't we leave and work together? And let's take all the clients. And let's take all the clients. And that is, I mean, I have met so many salon owners, more in the hair world, not as much in the last world, but man, they've been destroyed where they have a team of 40 and overnight they have a team of 10. And Lily, you know, 20, 30 stylists has walked out together and opened a salon down the street. It's crazy. 
And it's the biggest fear. And we had that happen where we had basically, it was a, I like to call it progressive Progressive walkout because it didn't happen all at once. We just had people slowly, like four or five people all leave together. We had at that time, I think like seven people working for us as far as lash stylists. But it was all done. We were down. Actually, we were up to eight or nine, and we were down to like two or three over a period of like three or four months. And we felt really victimized because, you know, lashes weren't really popular. I mean, we were a popular studio, but there weren't a lot of people to pull from. A lot of these people that worked with me, they either started as clients. I encouraged them to go to beauty school, or I felt like I really invested in them and grew them. In some ways, I felt entitled, right? Yeah, I invest um, in you. You owe you, me. You know, no, no one knows. No, no, you. no. But that took some introspective. It took it took us them have, going through that pain of leaving to and, say, and they left us. I mean, really, we say this: people, you know, don't leave companies; they leave you. So if you are not a good leader, and we were not, and we realized that that was the big wake up call. Like, oh my gosh, we don't know anything what we're doing. We have no yeah. training. We have no. We've never been coached. We've never looked really at systems. And that's when we finally hired a coach, a business coach or a salon business coach specifically strategies to help us rebuild the company in a way that would retain employees, that would care about employees, that would really build trust between employees so that we could build the salon. We understood how to do service. We were kick-ass at that. We were always busy. As soon as we lost clients, we'd just build up a new clientele. That was easy. But man, building a team, learning that and being humble and failing miserably. If you think about it, it's almost like that's the rehab. It's like you're, you've gone through a failure, you're rock bottom, and you have to go through a period of deep introspection and deep – you just have to cut out all the stuff that you realize that you contributed to it. it and I feel like it is – it's like rehab. And stop know? blaming others. Really take ownership, like you said, like, like rehab. And that's what we did. We went to the drawing board. I remember thinking, okay, we failed. Everyone's gone. We're down to like a couple people, and they're new, and they're not that good yet. So really, even our standard of practice had really dropped amazingly overnight. And now we had to rebuild. We had to be brutally honest that we could not rebuild the salon the same way we just did it. Otherwise, we're insane. So that's when we went and hired the coaching company and really rebuilt the company inside out and said, okay, let's do this differently. Let's do it, find a better way. And that's why we went to team-based pay, and it was a whole different game. It was hard. Yep. But how wise, I mean, look at, you know what I mean? Because it's so honorable for you to say, because so many people would just say, okay, I did it once. I can do it again. It was their fault. It's not mine. You know what I mean? It'd be so easy to just repeat what you just did, right? And said, you know, it's just them. Yeah, they were crazy. she just say that, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so good. I mean, wow, what a big kudos to you guys for, you know, having to go through that, unfortunately, and but really to go through it the right way. And I think for us, because one of our key values is humility. That's always been at the top of our list. Man, do we love working with people who are humble, and we have to keep reminding ourselves to be humble. And as long as that's one of our core values, and I think no, it will always be, it helps us to really guide us on what we're going to do and how we're going to behave. It's like, okay, instead of blaming and pointing fingers, what did I do to get me here? Because generally speaking, most of our problems in our life are self-made. Generally. Not always. Sometimes... Hurricanes come in, outside forces come in, but generally I made decisions that led me to get to this point where this occurred. And so I got to take that ownership. And and I think for people, the sooner they can learn that and have that mindset, the quicker they're going to be able to learn and grow in their company and, and be successful after failures too. So, yeah. Yeah, I always say hashtag human and, you know, you're always just one stumble away from being humbled. Oh, that's great, April. Yeah. Yeah. 
It happens all the time, right? We see people that we have put up on a pedestal and then they fall from grace and then we're so quick to be shocked. And so we also have to do that for ourselves as well and know that just like, just getting through each day, you know? Yep. Yeah. There but for the grace of God go I, right? Yeah. Sometimes I say, are my kids alive and are they fed and alive? Winnie. Yay! Exactly. <laughs> I have a saying, recalibrate for small success. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so true, man. You got to sometimes just take the joy, the little things and celebrate those because, man, life's going to beat the crap out of you at times. And if that's all you focus on, you're going to be really discouraged. But yeah, man, take the small victories and pump them up. Take it. <laughs> take it. I'll yeah. take it. Absolutely. Every step. So this has been so amazing. I would encourage everyone to just rewind and listen to the, there's so many gems. I like to call them gems in there and points that I think are eye-opening and counterintuitive in terms of what we've been trained or what we think would work or any of those things. And it's from real lessons learned. Like you've, you've walked the talk, you've learned these lessons. Any other words of wisdom for general beauty business owners that you would have? Yeah, my first one, I thought of this. And I think um, for those of you who have not hired staff, right? You're still, you've been on the bubble going. And I know in the last world, Lily, I think 80% of the people work for themselves. So it's very normal. Now, and greater beauty, that's probably not quite extreme, but I know that a lot of people are moving in that direction because of Instagram, because of Ruth ben- Rentals and all that. Before you ever think about hiring someone, man, just keep raising your prices. I mean, just continue to raise your prices until you can no longer raise them. Yeah. Because as long as you're doing that, you're going to be making more money. In fact, you might even work a little less because you've shed some clients, yeah. but you're charging more and you're making more money and less stress. If you're ready to make less and work more, then, okay, now you're ready to hire. And I think that's important to realize that. I mean, maybe initially five years from now, you'll be sitting on a beach in Waikiki and, and, and drinking your pina coladas and say, I got a salon. I doubt that, by the way. But I, you may finally have the systems in place where you can pull back. But, man, initially, as you build that salon, you build that business, just be ready. You're going to work so much more, so much harder than you ever thought you would you thought bringing in employees was going to make your life easier, and it is not. See, I think that we would have listened to your father if he had said something like that. Yeah. You mm. know, but we're like, we can do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that, to anyway. me, for a lot of those, and that's hopefully one of the takeaways, because I think a lot of people just think the natural thing, well, I'm busy, so I should hire someone. And I think, no, no, you're busy, and raise more likely you should raise your prices. That's yes. really what you should do. And then once you've maxed that, and then you're just killing it, and you're the most expensive person. And you've got a war chest or a nest get, egg. Yeah, I got you know? some savings in the in the books and all that. And you also probably, by the way, have taken some training, hopefully at that point, got some coaching for like for April or whoever, and, and, and be ready to move into this with a game plan Versus what most people do is it's whole haphazard, fly by the seat of your pants, and it is so painful. There's so many lessons you're going to learn that you're going to make you want to quit, make you want to give up. And I don't want that for people. I want people to feel confident and feel good about themselves. So waiting a little longer, being prepared, getting that training and coaching would be the other one too. I love that. And I have a similar story too. I mean, I didn't have as big of staff as you, but I did do that. And then on for my permanent makeup business, and then on the coaching side, I said, 
no, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're going to do virtual assistance this time. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, they can help me, but I'm not having to manage them on a daily basis. They're basically independent contractors and they can lighten some of the load in different ways, but we learn these lessons the hard way. And so um, I, and I always do tell my students the same thing, you know, raise your prices And Mm -hmm. there are other ways. I think what often people think is they have this dream of their beauty business of, you know, serving lots of people in this, you know, big salon. And I often say that it's like the woman, and I'm just going to stereotype because women do this a little bit more, who (laughs) dreams of being the bride and the Mm -hmm. wedding, but doesn't think of the marriage and the work. Right. And so they think about this, you know, oh, I I know exactly what I'm going to paint the walls and I'm going to how I'm going to decorate. And they they love the whole design and the idea of this thriving business that has their name on it. But they don't think of all the work that comes after. Right. And so I just love that. Like, you know what you guys said, just like think about it in a flip of you're not going to be necessarily making more and working less like we've been sold. Yeah. And that's, I think usually when I hear people say that, I think, oh, you've never actually had staff. <laughs> like You're just naive. You just don't get it. Or you've forgotten. Maybe you've been doing this for 30 years and you've just forgotten that what it is in the early years as you're learning building systems. Nothing is easy. Nothing is quick. I always say, like to say, it always takes longer and always costs more. That way when we lay it all out, like, okay, we're going to do this in a year and it's going to cost this much. No, no. I know it's going to be a year and a half and it will cost like 25% more. And that's a good way to, for me, that way there's no surprises and also helps you with budgeting. So you don't go over budget. But I think what you said there, I love the marriage wedding analogy. I think that's, I'm going, I'm going to steal that one. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a great way of looking at that because it really is, we romanticize, right? That's we right. romanticize things. And man, we can't wait to have that opening day and have the balloons and the champagne and all your friends there to celebrate with you. And you're just like, it's going to be magical. And yes. it is. Yes. And then the next day, no one's there with balloons. There's no champagne. And you're like, all right, how's the staff doing? Are we busy today? And you're like, we have one client. Okay. That's not the dream. Okay. Now I guess I have to become a marketer. Yeah. (laughs) Your your first dance is going to be with the broom. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Where's where's our janitor? Oh, wait. That's me again? Okay. I'm the janitor. Okay. Great. Oh, answering phones? Oh, that's me. Okay. I'll answer phones. I mean, literally, it's just... Oh, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's really tough. And even when people say, well, I'll just get a manager. And I'm like, but you are still responsible mm-hmm. for all of that. The manager might handle some of the difficult conversations, but the manager is still going to come to you with the difficult conversations, right? Like at the end, like they say, the buck always stops, stops with you. So. That's what happened with her. I mean, she hired a manager thinking she would do everything. And it was a nightmare because truth is she still was the leader. Like you were saying, like you're not, okay, you punted the managing duties, but you're still the leader. You still set the tone. You still set the expectations. You set the standards, yeah. all these things. And Tush just thought, I'll bring a manager in and, and it, she'll magic. do it. Magic. It's like yeah. manager no. in a box, you no, know? Add, box. add water, right? Add water will grow. <laughs> no, it, it did not. And it ended up being very painful le- lesson. So, and then I managed. And very we, painful. You, know, you learn where you're good at too. If you're not yeah. a good manager, by the way, yeah, you should hire a manager at some point. Yeah. And I also loved when you said at the beginning, you wanted to clone yourself. And one of the things that, and I did that same thing at the beginning. And then I realized, oh, and this is now for more of like my virtual assistants. I need to hire somebody that's actually has the opposite strength to help me build. But so many gems. Just love it. I thank you guys so much for your time. Tell me and tell everyone where they can find you. What's going on? What's exciting that you want to tell us coming up? 
Thank you. Um, we have two Instagram pages I think are worth following. We have at Lashcast Podcast, and that's where we just share a lot of times business stuff, lash stuff. I didn't know if you're a beauty professional, we're like, oh, they're just lashes. Actually, a lot of our Instagram page is really more focused on generalist business and best practices and all that. Yeah, it is so good. I have to interrupt and say, guys, you do have to follow it. I mean, I like fan over it. I fan girl over it. I just uh. love it. It's so good. So yes. <laughs> love you, April. Now, And then yeah. we also have at the last conference, and that is LashCon, aka LashCon. That is our once a year business conference that's really for lash professionals. But you know, again, most of the stuff we do, there's nothing lash technology taught at this conference it's all business so if you have a beauty business like yeah. permanent makeup a lot of pmu yeah. hair nails all that stuff you can come to this conference and you will feel at home and it will estheticians. be ex- estheticians mm-hmm. yeah all that and we have it coming up this november 6th to the 8th and it's going to be both virtual and live because yeah. right now it looks like we can meet in california come november Woo-hoo. god willing so we're going to do it live we're, we will probably have about three to four hundred people at it live and then we'll have another we think three or four hundred people virtually watching if you can't afford it the virtual ticket will be super affordable those tickets go up sale in may we also have tustany's going to start taking her training for last retention if you're interested in last retention training and styling we have a course that she's put together that we're going to be taking around the country three or four times this year our first stop is in indianapolis in may may 22nd 23rd so we have those things so exciting it's lots of different stuff and our coaching program by the way yes. we, like you are we're moving into that we've been wanting to do this for at least two years but we've uh, just for whatever God given reasons, we didn't quite do it, but we are going to launch that this summer. And that will be a really affordable group coaching program that will help anyone in the beauty world, but we really focus on the lash world. And uh, yeah, that's all kind of stuff we're up to right now. Yeah, you guys cannot go wrong with learning from these two. You get a bonus package with both of them together. It's all the wisdom of the management, the doing, the business side of it, all aspects of it. It's so great. And tell us again about the Lash Conference in terms of where is it going to be? You said the dates of November, how they can register for that. It's going to be in Pasadena, California, at the Hilton here. It's uh, a beautiful area here in Pasadena. A lot of restaurants nearby to eat and all that. And then, obviously, if you come to Southern California, you can, God willing, November, you can make a vacation of it. Go to the beach. Go down It'll to Disneyland. Still be warm. It'll still be warm. I mean, L.A. now is warm. Like I feel like six, eight months of the year. We're 90 degrees or more, it feels like. So it's a always a good time. We're in the first week of November. So just before the holiday craziness, come out here, get some good education, and then maybe take a day or two to enjoy the environment before you have to go back to the crazy times of holidays and all that stuff. And it's going to be basically two full days focused on business and all that. Evenings, we have parties, we have events, uh, meetups. We really focus on connection. We feel like more important than learning is being connected to other people because that's where you get your inspiration. That's where you feel like you can take on the world. And so many people have come out of LashCon feeling like, wow, I came there for the knowledge, but I walked away with like 10 new best friends who I'm no longer working by myself. Most people in their industry work all by themselves alone in the room. And now they feel like they have 10 new colleagues that they can text, DM, say, hey, how's your day going? That aren't necessarily their competition because they're not down the street, but they're suffering through the same kind of problems. So it's really good to have friends. Yeah, it really is. Someone that gets you. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that understands, right? Understands the struggles and understands the lingo and what you're talking about. And I would say pricing right now, on the virtual tickets are going to be, we haven't finalized it, but it's around 250 It's going to be what the virtual ticket. And if you want to come in person, it's about the starting low end for the economy tickets, 589 So really for, it's going to be three days, you know, there's two days of teaching, three days of events. For 589 
you're getting a really good deal. A That's lot of super value. affordable. Yeah. Very affordable. And the hotel rates, we didn't stay at some high end hotel. We we're going to pay three, 400 a night. So it's a Hilton. It's nice, but it's not that too nice, right? Because I've we've been at conferences where it's like, man, it's three hundred night, three hundred dollars a night at a hotel. That's tough after two or three nights. So for us, this is uh, we're trying to make it as affordable as possible because our goal is to really lift up our industry and equip people. Because I think so many people have focused all these years on their technique, and now we're seeing people realize, you know what? I learned during COVID that I'm not such a good business person. I had no mm. savings, I had no systems, and everything just kind of went crazy. And now I think people are going to realize I need to go back and rebuild this now. But I want to build it right. I want to put systems in place. I want to have coaching. I want to be able to know what to do the next time a crisis hits because I don't want to be ca caught with my pants down next time. I want to yeah. be ready for it. So that's yeah. what we're all about. Love that. And that those tickets go on sale in May. In May, yes. Yeah. So, so probably we, mid mid May. Probably about I don't know when this is going on, but mid May is our goal. Yeah. So they'll be they need to be following you on the social media, following yes. you on the grams and then they'll find that information. They can be one of the first to register. Yeah. And if you follow us, just go to our Instagram and, and click on the link and join the last cast insider club. If mm -hmm. you join us there, you actually get discount codes to everything we do. And we only give those people a discount code. So if you want to save a little bit and also get the heads up before it goes on sale, that's the best way to do that. Is that a club that's on clubhouse or that's a different club? No, it's just like our goofy club. It's okay. called the last cast insider okay. club. And you just, it's, it's what it is officially. It's an email list. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> no, everything, you know, the clubhouse now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know, I, know. Like, I didn't know if it was. And actually that's yeah. how we met. So yeah, yeah exactly. You guys speaking about experiences. And so, well, I want to be mindful of your time. Thank you so much. It is so insightful. And we will see you at the next, you know, in the next clubhouse, clubhouse room. No. Yes. Or <laughs> at some of one of these events or something. At like the that. next beauty event. So yes, thank you awesome. so much. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. wrap guys we are done we are out of here thank you so much for hanging out with us today by the way if you are looking to hire i think this is a good episode to go back and re-listen there's a lot of little tips little nuggets little things for you to take home that you should think through or begin to wrestle with if you want to hire staff because it's not for everyone and i i just want you to avoid some of the pain that we did when we hired and didn't know what we were doing all right, guys, other than that, I please go follow April Meese, too. She is great. She is, as I said, she's a coach. She's a marketing person, business coach, and helps beauty professionals. And if you're looking for help, I, I'm sure she's, I, I don't know if she's any sign-ups or taking new students right now, but there, she has seasons where she does open her doors. So you definitely want to look into her as a possible business coach. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and view review not view <laughs> anyhow subscribe share and review i'm not editing this we'll just keep it as it is on behalf of my lash snuggle tusney as well as our special guest april meese well actually we were the special guest but you know how you, you listened right i want to thank you for taking some time to listen keep on lashing and remember you have a friend in the lash industry 